Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. It figures. The first time I advertise that no matter what, you're going to get another episode in the next 24 hours, even if I don't know what it's going to be about, is the one time I don't deliver an episode in the next 24 hours. I appreciate all of you who make me a regular part of your day, especially those who check me out first thing in the morning. You are what inspires me to do this. So this makeup episode is arriving later than I expected in part because I decided to peak the Vince Carter documentary on Crackle TV. It's a streaming app channel. I think I'm saying that right. And it's free. Please check it out. Spoiler alert. I'm in it. More than a little, I'd say. When you sit down to be interviewed for projects like this one, they might shoot 30 or 45 minutes worth of material. In this case, it was during the Chicago All-Star Weekend. But you never have any idea how much or even if you're going to appear in the final product. If it sounds vain or egotistical to watch yourself in a documentary, I'm not going to dispute that, but understand that whatever you might find wrong with me in the doc, I'm seeing all that and more. So it's not as if I swell with pride watching myself, especially as I've gotten older. I am just vain enough to be concerned with how I look in these projects, but not vain enough to demand to see proofs or be particular about what angles they shoot me from or how they light me or Is there a makeup person here? Trust me, there are people in the industry who are very conscious of such things. 
at least one of them appears in this documentary. And I don't say that as a criticism necessarily. I know how critical viewers can be and how much appearance matters to some VPs of talent acquisition for networks. It probably would serve me to care more. I just can't bring myself to do it. As long as I don't make you say, ugh, or ugh, when you see me on the screen, I figure I'm going to be able to fight or live to fight another day. I also am uh, going to go a little bit longer, I think, on this episode to make it up for you, uh, make it up to you guys for uh, being 24 plus hours late. Now, a few of you noted that while I have poked holes in the early favorites to win it all this NBA season, that I haven't stated who I do think should be favored. And some of you are wondering if I'd be so kind as to do that. And I will. I'd like to see a little bit of training camp before I do, because I do feel that this year is very much wide open. Now, I could give you teams as of right now that I favor over the favorites that have been already listed and that I've talked about. And I could give you reasons why I favor them. But I'm going to hold off on that at least until next week. What I want to hit on in this episode is the saga that is the Philadelphia 76ers and just how far away from actually being title contenders they are based on all we're learning about them through the drama surrounding Ben Simmons and his desire to be anywhere but in Philadelphia playing for the 76ers. Now, it's not that Ben Simmons wants out of Philadelphia that suggests that they are so far away from title contention. It's that the Sixers were seemingly not aware of how much he wanted to be anywhere but in Philadelphia. Last year was the first time I actually thought the Sixers had a chance. Maybe a remote chance, but nonetheless a chance, a dark horse contender to come out of the Eastern Conference. I thought they were collectively turning the corner, largely because I thought Joel Embiid was turning a corner, becoming the monster of an offensive and defensive player I always believed he could be if he could just stay healthy and develop a modicum of seriousness about the game. I also liked the fact that while everybody was going small, they were playing big. They could still play fast, but they were playing big with Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and, and Joel Embiid. Just those three alone made them bigger physically in their starting lineup than almost every other team in the league. But this is the danger of not having the chance to be around a team, to be in its locker room, to attend a few of its practices, to have quiet, private conversations with people in and around the team on a daily basis. People who you trust know what to look for and will give you an unvarnished assessment of what they've seen. And it always surprises me, but when you run into people around a team and you ask them how they are, you would think that they'd always be optimistic and they'd be always speaking in glowing terms about what they're going to do. And there are... Uh, I. I appreciate this, but it still surprises me that there are so many people out there that will give you, they will recognize that their team is not where it needs to be. They won't try to fool you. 
Um, but it is important to have people you trust and that you know will give you an unvarnished assessment of what they've seen. Now, this not having that access uh, and that information is a danger that I've fallen prey to twice now since the pandemic began. And I haven't had the chance, as no one has, to be in the locker room or at practice or have quiet private conversations with people in and around the team on a daily basis. The first was being misled by the Los Angeles Clippers that went into the bubble, that, that team. I didn't realize how little chemistry they had. I thought the Montrez Heralds and Patrick Beverleys would infuse that team with a warrior mentality to hunker down and get the job done in Orlando, to see it as a ripe opportunity to win a ring on a relatively short runway. I can't really blame Montrez that he got pulled away by the death of his grandmother, and maybe I shouldn't blame him for letting himself get so out of shape as a result. My guess is that his out-of-shapeness actually started with what he wasn't doing during the layoff, which for a guy who's looking for a huge payday and lives off being an energy guy seems to be a remarkably lazy approach for someone who never struck me as being remotely lazy. Maybe he simply wasn't convinced that the league was going to start up again, so why stay ready? Maybe... He's one of those guys who loves to play hard and stays in shape to play hard, but doesn't really like working out hard at all. I like the sweet feeling of exhaustion, of trying to catch my breath and the surge of endorphins in my brain. I actually feel far worse mentally and physically when I don't work out. And I'm not comparing myself as an athlete to Montrez or anybody else. I'm just explaining why I have the perspective I do. I don't understand people, much less professional athletes, who don't love to get after it. I am a gym rat. In any case, Montrez couldn't provide any of that for that Clippers team, nor could Beverly, after a family emergency, prompted him to leave the bubble for a stretch, even though he returned. I don't know if they could have made a difference in light of the Clippers not being all that close to begin with, but it certainly didn't help. Had I had a chance to be around last year's 76ers, I'd like to think I would have picked up on the utter lack of chemistry and communication Embiid and Simmons had, both on but especially off the court. And that chemistry matters in today's game, especially in today's game. There was a time in the NBA when I don't think how guys meshed personally was as important. I'm talking about back in the 80s, during the bird magic era. From from what I've heard, the Celtics, Kevin McHale, and Larry Bird in particular, weren't really close. I've heard some of the same when it comes to the Lakers. As I understand it, when it comes to McHale and Bird, it was mostly from Bird's side. McHale was just a little too goofy for his tastes. The Houston Rockets, mid-90s champions, had their share of internal tension. I remember distinctly Sam Cassell and Kenny Smith... They shared minutes. They were the two point guards. Sam came off the bench. They were sharing roles. It was always a seesaw, and that could get a little bumpy. But whether it was because they were products of high school and college programs and were conditioned to 
waiting their turn or keeping their mouths shut and playing hard, even if they weren't getting the shine they expected or in the role they wanted. As opposed to now with AAU players who have the easy option of jumping teams if they're not catered to. Players back in the day knew how to go about their business and play and play winning basketball even if they didn't really like each other. It was also in their best interest because none of them were getting paid enough to be independently wealthy, regardless of how the team did. Playoff shares and contract extensions for guys who were part of winning teams was a financial difference maker, even for stars at the time. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The first championship team I can remember being around that had tremendous chemistry were the 99 championship San Antonio Spurs when they won in the lockout year over the Knicks. Inspired by Coach Greg Popovich, that team hung out together a lot off the court. And it was a formula he would incorporate for the next two decades and probably still does. Of all the things that I find galling about this Embiid-Simmons drama is that they had no idea how they felt about one another or the structure of the team. In one sense, I'm not surprised. Sam Hinkie was the GM who acquired Embiid. And communicating, developing personal relationships is apparently not one of his strong suits. I've actually got to know him a bit because he lives in the Bay Area, as do I. And I'd say we're friendly, but I don't know him particularly well. And I'd like to and have made attempts to because I find him smart and fascinating. We obviously share an affinity for basketball. But I've always got this arm's length vibe from him, so I haven't pushed it. The Colangelos followed Sam into the organization. They're the ones who drafted Ben Simmons. And both Brian and Jerry Colangelo are about relationships and knowing their players. But the Twitter scandal involving Brian's wife having secret accounts that disparaged Henke and several Sixers players, including Embiid, only added fissures to the franchise's culture and removed him from the, the franchise after two years. And now we have Daryl Morey running the Sixers, who has a reputation for building better relationships with the media than with the people he works with. Understand, I know and like all these guys, Sam, the Colangelos, and Daryl, but I also know that it takes a special combination of skills to be a communicator and a commander at the same time. Those I know who have both are guys who see themselves as blue-collar guys, who happen to have maneuvered their way into the corner suite. And those guys are Pat Riley and Greg Popovich. Pat Riley at one time was a beach bum, and Greg Popovich was one time a slovenly military guy. That's what he'll tell you. Both are great storytellers. 
both are can be amazingly self-effacing you normally wouldn't associate that with mr armani pat riley but indeed uh he is and can be both are not afraid to share with you who they are if you're willing to do the same and you share their passion and are willing to work your ass off with and for them you have an ally for life their loyalty is ironclad and that is how you build championship teams sam and daryl simply don't operate that way they're too transactional that's why the analytics guys love them that's why the whole the process thing really captured the imagination of people i imagine who have never actually been part of a team those human emotions feelings of loyalty sam and daryl are not or were not going to let those things get in the way of picking up an extra first round pick or acquiring a trade exception that could be valuable down the line pat and greg on the other hand will weigh whether a deal is worth the potential chemistry disruption and as i say this and think about it i think about some conversations that i've had about bill bill belichick and the uh the new england patriots and their success because obviously bill doesn't seem to be much of a touchy-feely guy get to know you personal guy either and i dare say football is just different than basketball football i think you can run it in a militaristic fashion basketball its culture the game and the way it's played the intimacy the limited number of players uh, the lack of structure in terms of when you're playing on the floor that all of that requires a chemistry and understanding and as i also think about this maybe being part of those celtics teams with uh, mikhale and magic that weren't all buddies is what made danny ainge into trader dan as a gm never concerned with rumors that it might upset his team or moving a guy like kendrick perkins not knowing what he meant to the core of players that had previously won a championship with him the point to all this is the 76ers have a lot more work to do than just moving Simmons and hoping to get back some comparable package of talent. If Embiid failed to develop any sort of kinship with Simmons through four seasons, no ability to sit down at dinner or after practice or on the backyard patio and share their thoughts about the team and what they had to do to realize their dreams of a title, what are the chances Joel is having that conversation with Tobias Harris, who has only been there two full seasons? Or Embiid, is he capable of cultivating relationships with anybody else in that locker room since pretty much the entire roster has been turned over several times since he's been there? This is what happens, by the way, when you don't surround young players with veterans. They never learn the intangible skills or responsibilities that come with being a team leader. The skills that a young LeBron learned being around and Eric Snow, and a James Jones, and a Zdrunas Ilgauskas, and then Dwayne Wade for finishing school. Or that Steph Curry learned from Jarrett Jack, and Richard Jefferson, and Jermaine O'Neal. Sometimes a young star needs to get a nudge from a vet who suggests, hey, let's go to dinner. And then the vet invites another cat on the team that needs to be pulled into the middle of the herd, or a teammate that the young star needs to bond with. 
I'm watching the Vince Carter documentary, and the same thing happened between Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady in Toronto. Vince was shocked Tracy left for Orlando because they vibed so well on the court. But it took Charles Oakley getting McGrady on the phone and handing it to Vince and saying, work it out. It ultimately didn't in that Tracy went to Orlando, but that's the role that a veteran can play. And that's all the, also the reveal that for whatever Vince and McGrady want to say, they weren't as close as they would suggest or that they believed simply because they were close on the floor. I can tell you the coaches and GMs who present themselves as great communicators or guys who work to connect with their players aren't always guys who actually know how to do that. They just know how valuable it can be to appear as if they do that. Because it means that if there's some owner or GM who's in the market for a guy who can connect his stars, well, they'll go out and hire him, perhaps for a lot of money. Meanwhile, there are GMs who get blasted, coaches who get blasted for supposedly not caring or doing enough for their players, who I know are in constant communication with them. What the 76ers are facing is that they made a promise at the start of the process that it it was going to result in a championship. I always knew it would take more than collecting cap space and year after year of lottery picks. But even I figured at some point they couldn't help but trip up the stairs from amassing all that talent. That at some point they'd land a cornerstone player and someone would come along recognizing what they had, what they needed, and complete the puzzle. I figured they were now just a piece or two away from making that happen. What I'm realizing now is that not only have they failed to gather the necessary puzzle pieces... They don't have that one piece yet that brings them all together. I thought they did in Embiid. If he was, though, he wouldn't be shocked at the discovery Simmons doesn't want to play with him. He would have recognized it a long time ago and either got with Simmons to figure out how they could change that or been on Sixers management to get Simmons on up out of there for someone who did want to play with him. Maybe MB doesn't know what it's like to play with a co-star that he truly vibes with. After all, he played one year with Andrew Wiggins at Kansas. Pretty sure they didn't develop any special vibe. I'm not sure that Andrew Wiggins, even to this day, knows how to develop that special vibe with another co-star. Certainly didn't do it in Minnesota. As the number two seed in the South in the NCAA tourney, by the way, Kansas had six players who would go on to play in the NBA, yet they got upset by 10th seeded Stanford, who were led by Jason Randall and Dwight Powell. I can't tell you about who, uh, who MB played with at the Rock School in Gainesville, Florida, a tiny private Christian school. I do know that he went from the Montverde Academy to the Rock because he didn't like his playing time at Montverde. But based on the records I found, he only played one year at the Rock School and he won a state championship. Now playing against a lot of other tiny Christian schools from what I can gather. And then he dipped to Kansas. So what could he possibly know about how a championship team is built or how the leader of a championship team 
backs. That's what the Philadelphia 76ers are facing. I thought they were at the point where it was just a matter of finding the right accessories. When, in reality, they have to find their three-piece suit. All right, that does it for this episode, this late episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And I said it before, I'll say it again, we're in the midst of training camp, so rather than advertise a topic for the next episode that I'm not sure will stand up, I would just promise you that beginning next week, we will be back on schedule and we will have another podcast ready for you. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.